You asked for it. Here's kind of the skin of this series. Basically, um, in the Bible, uh, you can see a lot of the things that are written in the scriptures are, are, are Jesus' response to the crowd's questions. So the crowd had questions, Jesus would answer those, and you see this dialogue about that in the scriptures. And so basically, this series is the same idea. You had questions, we're responding to those. And in uh, week one, uh, Pastor Q is here, one of my best friends in ministry from uh, Tarpon Springs, Florida, the chapel church. Um, he talked about the end times. So we had a guest speaker come in, talk to us about the end of the world, buddy. <laughs> Praise the Lord, we love you here at Connect. <laughs> but he did awesome. Honestly, I was getting back at him because he does that to me every time I go to the chapel in Florida. I had to talk about like fasting and prayer as my first time as a guest speaker at the chapel. So Q, if you're listening, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> second week, <laughs> and he is, he listens to everything that we do here. So the second week, um, I thought last week was phenomenal, by the way. I was away and uh, I was preaching at Excel Church, kind of our sister church that we, uh, we partner with and oversee. And, um, but I got to listen to this online when I was traveling. And uh, first of all, we had four communicators uh, that are just off the charts. We had my son, uh, we had Pastor Chris, we had Pastor Mark, and we had Jason all uh, teaching during the same service. How many were here last week for last week's message, okay? So yeah, they, did they do a great job or what? Come on, did they do a great job? I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. Sometimes you get a twofer, you guys got a fourfer. And uh, it's a new word, I just made it up. Uh, but just four different questions that they answered, and so we just had to bundle those. And then, and then now, now I get to do the fun stuff, basically, in the next couple of weeks. So uh, this week, I'll come back to it in a second. Next week, we're going to deal with some of the like, sexual orientation issues, a lot, of the, a lot of the social issues related to that. So you guys can fill in the blanks on that. I have no idea how that's going to come out next week, but I'll just say this. At Connect, we don't shy away from difficult subjects or tough questions or social issues. This, we've talked about everything from this platform, so uh, we'll, we'll go there. We're going to go there next week. And then the final week of the series, I, I'm telling you you should be here because you got your chance, um, but we're calling it Hot Seat. And so that's basically, we're going to have the panel of all the pastors up here on the platform, and you're going to be able to text in your questions live. And we're just going to answer them live during the service. And so I'm speaking away that weekend. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're like, Pastor, you're here, right? Because <laughs> if it doesn't go wrong, we're going to go, you. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's funnier than you realize. Um, but this, this service today, was sur we surveyed you. And you guys, I was impressed, actually. I was like, wow, this was one of their top questions. you got to be kidding me. And it was, what about spiritual warfare? So just so you know, you asked for it, okay? So when we're getting ready to go, you as a church said, I, I, I want to talk about this. And so we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. Are you guys ready for this? Yes. Okay, so a lot of Christians um, are simply not engaged, connected to, aware of, eyes open to the fact that we're in a war. So spiritual warfare, in that word, you see that little three-letter word there? It's a war. We're in a war. And so if you're a note taker, there's going to be a ton of extra scriptures here. I put as much scripture as I could in here because this isn't me saying this is, this is God's word saying this. And so I hope that you guys, um, you, you open your, just like we sang a few minutes ago, open my eyes, right? Is everybody ready to open their eyes in Jesus' name? Okay, so this is kind of the opening text. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, finally be strong. Everybody say be strong. strong. Love that verse. Finally, be strong. This, these two words are in different places within the scriptures. Sometimes it'll say, be courageous, take courage. Uh, the paraphrase says, buckle up. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't say that, but it, it, would, it, would, work. it would work really well. But because we need to be ready because we're going to be in a battle. But be strong in, not you, Derek Fry, not you, so-and-so, fill in the blank. No, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So we're going to look at, at, at his power. How do we tap into? How do we plug into that? Then it says, put on the full armor of God. So you kind of, you know, before you go to work, you don't just go out in your skivvies. You, 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 you put on a suit, you get dressed up. Praise the Lord. Uh, and so that would be a scary world uh, if they didn't do that. So we got we to gotta dress appropriately for the battle, the war that we're in spiritually. And, and so scripture uses, the apostle Paul uses some pretty cool language, description language. Then it says, goes on to say, um, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now that word schemes, can't unpack it all, but, but basically if I was to give a picture, is that the enemy is like on a, on a drawing board, plotting and planning how he can wreak havoc on you. 
The Bible says in John 10, he wants to kill, steal, destroy. So, so his job description is to make your life a living hell. He's doing everything he can to disrupt the purpose and plan of God for your life. And he's scheming about it. He's, he's plotting about it. He's, 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 he's thinking about it all the time. And, 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 and he's working at it. And sometimes, and I submit to you that I think that the devil's working harder at messing you up than you are getting on fire for God and, and fulfilling the purpose and plan of God. So those two things, the difference between those two realities is what's causing the pain that you're experiencing. Is everybody with me out there? Okay, so he's working hard at that. And then it goes on to say, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, even though that's where we try to spend most of our time and energy and put most of our effort in. But it's instead, it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers. Look at these different levels of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. This sounds like a Star Wars movie, everybody, doesn't it? So it's like, wait a minute. And I think sometimes you as Christians, you read that, you run by that, you blow by that. But this is very um, clear language from Paul, descriptive language, that there's another world. And right now, you may be more in this world right now and less aware of the world that's around you. When we come to church, one of the things is to, is to open our eyes to the fact that, that we are uh, in, in, in a fight, that we are in... Um, and a part of something bigger than what we circumstantially see with our five physical senses. We don't see the radio waves, but they're working. We don't see a lot of things that are going on, but it doesn't mean they're not happening. Can I have an amen? And so, and so this particular idea that there's another world, you're like, mm, but you know what? If you're honest, you've sensed it before. Like, you know it. You know it's true. There's certain things that, that you've come up confronted or come up against where like, there's no other description uh, for it other than evil. Like, just, why would somebody do that? That's the kind of thing that I would say. Like, how, what would be in somebody's mind to do this or to do that? Have you thought things like that, said things like that out loud or con- subconsciously? Uh, yeah, because, because you know there's some, you sensed it. And, and then sometimes there's things you confront on a personal level, not even just like a global scale. And it's not random. It's amazing how some of the things that you're confronting, some of the evil in this world, some of the forces of resistance that you feel in this world, it's at certain times. It's like, I'm getting ready to do this, bam, what? But it's really not what, it's like, oh, yeah. It's, in other words, the scripture you know, talks about this, and we'll get to it later, opportune times. It's, it's like, it seems like it was almost calculated, and I'm saying it, it is. It is calculated. And you, you can't sometimes always explain it, but you know it's true. And it's, you, you know it's not just coincidental. And, and, and just so you know, I know you're all, some people are like, oh, I don't know. Some, some people might be listening online. You asked for this. <laughs> okay. And so then it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when, it doesn't say if, it says, it says when, the, the, the day of evil is going to come for all of us. Okay. Say, Pastor, be more positive. I'm positive the day of evil is going to come for all of us. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, the Bible's telling us you got to hold up. you got to stand. Anybody watch Wonder Woman? I'm sorry, I'm just making a major switch here. You know, there's that shield moment, you know, where she's like, you just got to hold your ground. I don't know. That's how my brain works. I'm trying to get you guys to see what I see. Do you see what I see? So how can, we, how can we see better into this other world, this heavenly realm, the Bible says? How do we win in that if there's, in fact, battles going on? So um, I, I think a lot of Christians get freaked out by this subject. It kind of scares people. We want to just, like, put the, sh- put the sheets over our head, go back to sleep. And so maybe some of you, that's what you got to do. Just go back to sleep. Go back. You know, you don't want to go into this world. I understand that. But I'll tell you this. I'd be a bad pastor if I didn't talk about this subject. I'd be a really bad pastor if we didn't talk about this, okay? So now Ephesians 5, verse 11, this is what it says. So if this is all true, it says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. So you're going to see as we go forward in this message, there are things that you and I do to contribute to darkness overcoming light in our life. There are these fruitless deeds of darkness. There are these lifestyle choices, behaviors that can bring about a certain consequential suffering to you. 
So some stuff is a result of the cursed world we live in, the war that we're in. Some stuff is a result of the fact that we're Christians and we're suffering for the name of Christ. And some stuff is because of the consequences of our own actions. So we can minimize or reduce a lot of the suffering and pain that we're experiencing in our life if we'll live a right and upright life. Does that make sense? So you're going to have to decide, determine uh, whether you're going to agree with God and what he says are fruitless deeds of darkness. And am I going to exalt my opinion? Well, I like this. That doesn't hurt anybody. This is okay. I don't think that's a big deal. Like, that's that arena right there. That's the gray area for a lot of Christians. My wife and I have discussions about, like, the more responsibility we have, the more authority or, or influence that we have, the more this particular area of my life has to get more concentrated and, and uh, sacrificial and consecrated. Does that make sense to everybody? So if you really want to go to the next level in God, overcome certain obstacles that are in your life, you're going to have to address fruitless deeds of darkness. You have to think about, Derek, some of the things that you allow to come through your eye gate. You're going to have to think about, Derek, some of the things you allow to come out of your mouth, which are a result of what you've cultivated in your heart. Derek, you're going to have to think about your associations and your relationships because all of those things, uh, they, they're, they're, going to, they're going to lead to problems. And so what God wants to do through his word and relationship with him is expose those things. And sometimes when you expose darkness to light, immediately darkness is eradicated. Okay? And so that's what this, that's what, when we see by the, into the spiritual realm, sometimes by the spirit, we begin to see things uh, that need to be exposed. But sometimes in our, in my Christian experience, and even in my own life, I think, you know what? Ah, I don't don't want any light. I'm good. I like the darkness. In John chapter 3, verse 19, it says, some men prefer the darkness over the light. But we're called to be children of the light, okay? And the, only, the best way to understand darkness is never from a position of darkness. It's from a position of light. You always go into a dark room with a flashlight, and you'll be able to find your way and navigate your way better. Then, no, I'm going to be a part of the world, and I'm going to do what the world does, and that way I can understand the world better. I'm sorry, it doesn't work like that. Is everybody with me out there? Okay. You can shout me down once in a while. So let me, give you, let me give you some truths about this battle, specifically our enemy and our arch enemy. So the th- three truths about the devil. The devil is real. You're like, okay, I know that. Some of you don't. Some of us don't behave like that. Some of us, you know, uh, we, we don't see it like that. Just, just for a little humor, I heard about uh, there was a service at a church. It was a congregational church, little congregational church in the country. And Satan came to church. And he shows up. And he walks in the front door, and people just start screaming, Satan! And they're, and they're running around, and they're trying to get out, and they're trampling over each other, and they're frantic, and people going out windows, people going out side doors. Before you know it, it's just Satan in the room and one older gentleman sitting in the front pew. Just one guy. So Satan kind of walks down to the front and looks at this guy. He says, do you know who I am? And this guy says, well, yes, I do. Aren't you scared of me? No, I'm not. Why not? Because I've been married to your sister for 48 years. (laughs) See, some some people have minimized the devil. Some people just just don't even get it. Like, Satan's not a metaphor. Satan's not some cosmic force. Satan's not just this cutesy little guy in a red suit with a, with a pitchfork and shows up in commercials and stuff like that. No, Satan is a fallen angel, the archangel. He was, he was Lucifer, you know, uh, turned renegade at one time. And, and, and the Bible, I wish I could teach on this. Uh, years ago, I taught on angels, uh, fallen angels and angels and their role in the scriptures. And that would be a cool maybe Sunday night service I'll do sometime, but... Um, there are three angels mentioned in the scriptures, archangels, Gabriel, Michael, and then Lucifer. And uh, they all resided in heaven. And, and one day there was a specific event that took place. We're not absolutely sure when, but there's speculation about when this event took happen. And the Bible basically says that, that uh, Lucifer was hurled from heaven uh, to the earth. And most scholars actually believe and, uh, that it happened uh, somewhere between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Now, this is 
another subject, and this is a theory, okay? And I, I, I subscribe to one of these theories, but basically it's called the gap theory, or I like to say a gap theory because there are different gap theories. There's people have people don't believe in the gap theory, and there's some people that believe that the gap was like millions and millions of years, and they throw evolution in the middle of that, and I don't believe that. And those, those are theists. And then there are people that believe there's like maybe a you know, few thousand years. Some people believe, I believe actually it's probably even more narrow than that. Between, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. Next, it says, and the earth was void, formless, and darkness covered the, 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 the earth. So God didn't create something formless and void. Clearly something happened between verse 1 and verse 2. And most scholars believe that's when Satan, or at the time Lucifer, was hurled from heaven to earth. Is everybody with me so far? Okay. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know what's going on here, but I feel like I'm in seminary. And um, so it, it'll clear up in just a second. But a lot of these, this, this particular story is talked about in multiple places in the Bible. If, you want, if you're taking extra notes, one, one, Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14. It talks about kind of this pride ride of Lucifer where he thought, I will ascend to the heavens and I will this and I will that. And then, boom, God kind of took care of that. But Satan's job description when he was in heaven was he was the lead worship leader. Like David was a worship leader, but, but, but Satan was the worship leader over all worship in heaven. In fact, the scriptures tell us that when God was on his throne, uh, Lucifer covered the throne. So he was above God covering the throne of God, leading worship. In fact, uh, some, some people teach it like this. If you saw a star, the, the tip of the star would be uh, Lucifer. God would be in the middle. And then it would be Gabriel and Michael. And some people believe there were two other angels, Raphael and Uriel. Historians believe that. And then when Satan fell from heaven, the star was flipped upside down. And that's why you get this satanic symbol that you guys see. And now Satan's on the bottom. And that's a whole other story all to itself. But, but Lucifer, when he was covering God, the glory, of, he was like the glory that he, wa- he thought he deserved the glory. So he, st- he started to look unto himself, even though he was created by God, the created thought he was above the creator. And he basically, this is kind of my prayer phrase, is that I want this glory for myself. And God said, oh, no, you don't. That's, that's paraphrase according to Pastor Derek. And... and <laughs> And in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, it's not in your notes, but Jesus actually saw this happen. And he basically says in the word, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So this idea that there was this huge battle and, and between one, verse 1 and verse 2 of Genesis, was just huge. it wasn't a huge battle. Okay, it was a Star War, but it wasn't a two, half, two and a half hour movie. It was a millisecond. Okay, it was like, I saw Satan fall like heaven, roll the credits. I mean, it was like, it was over. Like, it was a fast movie, okay? Everybody, is everybody tracking with me? It was over quick. Uh, it's recorded in another place in uh, Revelation uh, chapter 12. I'm going to keep going here. Um, oh, I, I didn't read this. So then the war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. So there's this battle between these angels, and the dragon is referring to Satan. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was, this is the dragon, Satan, was not strong enough. So this is what I love about this particular scripture, by the way, is that the scriptures are going to communicate repetitively that, because people want to know, you know, can, how do we, if, is he real? Yes. Does he have power? Yes. Is he stronger than us? No. He's not. So when the angels were trying to do business by themselves, then the, the battle was too tough. But, but when God gets involved, it's over. Is everybody tracking with me? Like it, and they lost their place in heaven. They is referring to one-third of the angels that followed Satan from heaven to earth. Somehow, Satan, when he was on that glory ride, thinking he was all that in a bag of chips, he was able to convince all of these other angels to follow him. Now those angels fall from heaven, and a fallen angel, by definition, is a demon. So when you hear the term demon, that's a fallen angel, okay? That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray, he was hurled down to the earth and his angels with him. So here's the next thing. The devil's at war with us. The devil's at war with us. And you need to know, by the way, that last scripture says that he was hurled down to earth. So from now on, Satan's base of operation is where? Earth. Earth. So Satan, a fallen angel, an archangel, and his minions, his one-third, are with him. They're here on earth as fallen angels, demons, to, 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 to they're the ones we're battling. They're to torment us. And it's his, it's his base of operation. And this is, this is what, he's trying to make your life formless and void. He's trying to make your life 
a nightmare. And, and before I get to this point here, he has temporary jurisdiction, by the way. He's been permitted or allowed temporary jurisdiction. Not in heaven, but you're here. And, 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 and so as Christians, it's the, in fact, one scripture, it says the whole world's under the control of the evil one. I used to read that in panic as a Christian. I'm like, what did I just read? But, but then it says those that are born of God are kept safe. 1 John chapter 5. So, so here's, here's the idea. Is Christians are unaware, but some are aware, that you have a new identity in Christ. When you become a Christ follower, you, you now become a citizen of heaven. You receive new benefits. You are an heir of salvation. You have your, your, you're the new association. You have, you have you're become a part of a new bloodline. Is everybody tracking with me? There's a whole bunch of awesome stuff about getting saved. So when you get saved, basically the enemy sees your identity, even better than you do, by the way. It's almost like a police officer who has a badge on their chest. You, can, you know a police officer right away. You can see him coming. There's a suit. There's the, oh, there's the badge. They, that's, wow, they're a police officer. You see a certain, there's an identification, right? Now, a lot of times, people will just respect that badge. That's enough. I ain't messing with him. But how many know once in a while, I'm not trying to get so, so politically sensitive right now but to even use this analogy, but stay with me with this. But once in a while, you have to use, if, if you're not careful, if a police officer's not careful, he's in a wrong place at the wrong time, then, then he's going to have to use his weapons to exercise his authority. Is everybody tracking with me? Okay. Christ followers, we have to do the same thing. So, so the enemy looks at you, and, and some people in the hierarchy of his organization don't respect the fact that you're a child of God. In fact, they're like, that's the one I want to wreak havoc on, because I already have all these other people who are not child, children of God. So the people that I'm trying to hurt, the people that I'm trying to mess up, are the people that mess it up for me that are connected to him. And so I'm going to attack them. And so they try to attack us. And so Christians can come under attack or at war with an enemy. And so we have to know weapons that we have, and we have to know how to fight our enemy. We have to know our position in Christ. And, and so, is everybody tracking with me? So temporarily, the Bible talks about this. The enemy is the ruler of this world in John 12. In 2 Corinthians, he says he's the God of this age, small g, but he's the God of this age. In Ephesians, it says he's the, he's, he's the prince of the power of the air. And, and in 1 John 5, the whole world's under the control of the evil one. So... We're at war. He, the devil is at war with us. He does not like us. He is against us. He's strategically scheming constantly to destroy. Well, I don't believe that. Well, that doesn't change it. I'm sorry to inform you. You don't have to believe it. But if you don't believe this as a Christ follower, this is, this is, what I, this is my encouragement to you. You're going to be a grease spot. You're going to be a casualty of war if you don't open your eyes. Pastor, could you just tell us what you really think? Yes, I am. I'm trying to tell you what I really think because I care. I see a lot of people that are just like, oh, I don't think that's real. I don't think that's real. The devil's real, and the devil is at war with you. And, if, and we need to know our identity in Christ, and we also need to know the weapons that we've been given for warfare in Christ Jesus as well. Is everybody tracking with me out there? So this is what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, he is just roaming around like a lion looking for someone to devour. In the King James, it says he's, that he may devour. That's a better translation because it's a permissive word. It's basically saying you and I can give the enemy permission to attack us. One of the ways that we can give him permission is just be like, I don't believe it. You not believing it is permission for him to attack you. And then, then what happens is you try to battle those things in a, on a natural level, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and you get frustrated. And, you know, you, and then the enemy comes in and lies to you because he's the father of lies and convinces you God doesn't care about you. And now you blame it on God when really God's like, no, I've been trying to tell you. Be sober, be vigilant. Your devil's going around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You let him devour you. You, didn't, you decided not to believe he's even trying to attack you or even real. He's real and he's trying to, he's at war with you. So one of the best gifts I can give you is to be aware of the fact that you have an enemy and he's against you. And so what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to resist him. Stand firm in the faith, everybody. Is everybody tracking with me? This is our responsibility. This is, this, and so, so, so sometimes you learn that the devil is at war against you and so you fight him. This is another thing that Christians miss. So then you fight him, you resist him, and you think, okay, took care of it. How many know it don't work like that? 
the devil's like the Terminator for, for, for a certain season of, of history, okay? It's going to end at some point, but right now, he's like that Terminator. You know how he crawls? <laughs> like, he just keeps coming. He just keeps coming, you know, and you knock him down, and you, bring him between, you, you bust him up or whatever, and, and, and he just kind of comes up, and he's like, okay, you got me this time. I'll be back. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what's going on, all right? The devil will come back at a more opportune time. That's his, that's his modus operandi. He's just going to keep coming until Jesus comes back and takes us all to be with him. He's just going to keep on coming. Okay, so here's the second thing. The devil has power. The devil has power, okay? An archangel, trust me, is powerful. There, there, there are scriptures in the Bible, in the book of Daniel, and, and other places, and other locations, and Revelation, where an archangel wouldn't even go up against Lucifer themselves. In fact, they go up and they say, they didn't even say, you know, come on, let's go. They'd say, the Lord rebuke you. <laughs> My daddy's bigger than you. That's all I know. You may get me, but my daddy can kick your butt. That's basically, what, that's basically what happened there in the Bible. So the devil has power. Most Christians might know that, but what they really want to know is how much power does he have, especially as it relates to me personally. In other words, this is what Christians want to know a lot of times is, can, can a Christian be overcome, uh, better yet, possessed by the devil? possessed by this is a classic question can a christian be possessed by the devil and i believe this is my teaching and i'm the pastor of the church so it's hopefully it carries some weight no i don't believe you can i don't believe you can be if you've if you've um if you're uh, blood bought blood washed you receive jesus as your personal lord and savior you confess and you believe that with your heart it wasn't just like a little simple prayer but it's something that was definite in your life no you you now have the spirit of god inside of you and the spirit of god and the spirit of darkness cannot coexist they cannot coexist amen Amen? Amen. But, 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 listen. But Christians can be harassed. Christians can be uh, oppressed of the devil. Christians can be attacked. John chapter 8 talks about this. Basically talks about believers who needed to get set free. Believers? I thought we were free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Yeah, you're free from the slavery to sin, the consequence of sin. But now you've got to get the, the behaviors, the lifestyle. You're out of jail. You're, you're out of darkness. But now you've got to get the jailbird out of you. Yeah. Right? So believers can still have, still have this worldliness inside of us. We, as a result of that sin and worldliness, we invite the devil to keep on attacking us. Yeah. And so we give open doors and open pathways for him to, to attack us in our life. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about this. Uh, this is just an example of a behavior that can get us in trouble. It says, in your anger. Has anybody ever been angry? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Mufasa, Mufasa. Everybody got, all, everybody got all shaky on that one. In your anger. We all get angry, okay? The, the, the issue, God doesn't really have an issue with you getting angry. He's just saying, get angry, but don't sin. And so this, this particular scripture and others like it are speaking of habitual, progressive sin. So it, God knows you're going to make mistakes. We've all stumbled in any, many ways. He is without sin, let him cast the first stone. You know, if you think you're standing firm, be careful lest you fall. But, but God's not all upset about you, your individual sin. God's upset with you living in sin. God's up, concerned with a habitual uh, sin, willful sin. It, when we get in those situations, then, and we have these unresolved sin areas of our life. Everybody tracking now? So you don't need to be afraid when you make a mistake. Oh, because what Pastor Derek said, I sinned. Now the devil's going to get me. I'm done. I'm going to get squashed like a bug. No, 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 no. When you need to be concerned is when you're in habitual, progressive uh, willful sin, because when you're in that situation, yeah, you can become open to attack. And so the Bible goes on to say, and do not give the devil a foothold. So when you're in that progressive sin, the devil's like, I'm going to get in that window. And this is what happens. This is a principle that I've taught many times before. If you give the devil a foothold, eventually it'll become a stronghold. Now he's like, I'm in here. How did he get in your house? You let him in. How did I do that? Because fruitless deeds of darkness... Because you stayed angry, you stayed angry, you stayed in that, that, that path of sin. And so a lot of the harassment that we are receiving in our lives, a lot of the attack that's coming in our lives is because of what, our cooperation with the enemy, our permission to the enemy. Is everybody with me there? And so don't give the devil a foothold because it'll become a stronghold in your life. You and I have a lot to do with that. Okay, so that's the bad news. You guys ready for some good news? Praise the Lord. Can he please move on to some good news? So here's the good news. The devil is subject to our God. Can I have an amen? Okay, he's subject to our God. He, he trembles to our, at the name of our God. 
You know, it's just like, just like the Lion King, Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. You know, whoo, 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 Remember the little lions and they're all shaking? Nobody watched Lion King? Gosh, you guys missed out. You guys missed out. I demand that everybody watch that movie. Jesus, Jesus' name. <laughs> he is subject to our God. Listen, listen. He doesn't, he's got power, but it's not, even, it's, it's, it's not even close. God said, no, you don't. Lightning, down, credits, roll. It was over. That was the first battle. So when we associate with that relationship, do you understand? You go from being intimidated to being the intimidator of your enemy. You know, there are people, there's so many great stories, some of the great men and women of God. I know this one story, Smith, this guy's name was Smith Wigglesworth. And, and he, 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 he'd feel his bed being shaken when he was tor- tormented by some kind of demonic spirit. And, he, and he, he would wake up in the night and he'd go, oh, it's just the devil. Never mind. Go back to sleep. And he, was just, he just wasn't even intimidated. Just wasn't even intimidated because he knew, he knew who he was. He had aligned himself with God. He was, he was confident in who he was in Christ Jesus, not in himself. And 1 John 4, 4 says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you, everybody say the one who is in me. The one who is in me, say it strong, the one who is in me is greater than the one who's in the world. Then you need to walk like that, behave like that. You need to speak like that. Because you have authority. You are, you are so, if you, when you, if you saw a king of a, of a country and you were a son of a king, you would act differently. If you knew you were a son of the king, a daughter of the king. That's what God's trying to get you to see. You literally have, as that heir of salvation, you also have that. You don't just have access to God. You also have authority over the earth as a result of that. So I believe this stuff. This may shock you, but I believe it a lot of this stuff. And I think a lot of Christians are trying to handle a lot of problems the wrong way. We're trying to handle them in the natural. And God's trying to say, no, 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 no. That's not, that, I'm not saying everything's a spiritual problem, but, but Stacy and I, you know, uh, the more, I guess, that we, are, we, we try to mature and grow in our faith, uh, sometimes we'll be facing a problem, and we're changing our defaults. I'm not saying we've changed, it's all there, you know, we're perfect, but we're changing our defaults from, hey, let's talk about this, and I got to figure this out, and give me some time to think about that. No, we just like grab each other's hands, and we, hey, let's just pray about that for a second. We're just saying, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just pray that you provide wisdom that I don't have, understanding that I don't have. We're getting ready to go in a tough conversation right now. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know you're going to give me the words. I pray that you give me a timely word and an apt reply. I pray that you give me heavenly wisdom, not my own wisdom. Lord, maybe beyond my experience and beyond my, this is the kind of things that we pray. And then I said, and she prays. And the Lord, God, I agree with my, I come to agreement with my husband. And the Bible says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there you are in the midst. Lord, the Bible says, when, when an enemy comes at me, Lord, you can send them, you can send them fleeing seven different ways. One can put a thousand, two, ten thousand. We just start coming to an agreement like that. And the Bible says that he commands a blessing and favor on people that come into agreement, that come into unity like that. Psalm 133. Amen. Is that good stuff or what? That's what you do. So before you misinterpret what I'm saying, though, I'm not just saying everything's a demon. Oh, you know, there's a demon over there. There's a demon over there. Look at that. There's another demon. There's a demon under that rock. There's a demon under that rock. Oh, my gosh. We ran out of gas. It must be a Texaco demon. You know what I'm saying? Come on. You just ran out of gas. People get weird, man. People get so weird. Spirit-filled Christians, spirit-empowered Christians, some of the weirdest Christians on the planet. Seriously. Y'all weird. Some of y'all weird. My dad has this piece of lead in his office, and he says, for spirit-filled Christians, he goes, if you need to feel lead, touch this. (laughs) That's funny. I don't care. Just don't care. <laughs> the Bible's telling us over and over again, it's not by might, okay? Your own strength there, try to figure out. It's not by power, your own ability to do something. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. So we have to learn how. To, we are, listen, listen, this is a crazy phrase. This may be new to some of you, but we are spiritual beings in Christ. We become spiritual. We are defaults. As Christ follows, when you give Jesus your life, your tripart being, you only had two parts alive prior to that. When you ask Jesus into your heart, your, your spirit man comes alive. And then in the process and journey of faith, your spirit man gains jurisdiction and leadership over your entire soul, your mind and your body. And then you become, a, your, your default begins to change from leaning on your own understanding, Proverbs 3, or leaning on your flesh and your own physical abilities and your own efforts, to now leaning on God by the Spirit. Your default changes, and suddenly you become a spiritual being having a human experience. That's what we're supposed to live like in Christ Jesus. And we need to learn how to fight right. And so 2 Corinthians encourages us, 
uh, in the spiritual warfare. Here's kind of three things that we do in this whole spiritual warfare thing. Uh, we got to learn that we don't wage war as the world does, right? It's not, it's our, 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 our battle is not, it's not fleshly. In other words, we don't use bombs and guns. That's obvious maybe to some Christians. But we also don't use our own, our own right arm, our own abilities, our own way to do things. And we, we, we lean more on, on different weapons that we fight with. It assumes these, when you talk about weapons, the Bible's assuming you know that you're in a fight and that those weapons are different. And the scripture says, on the contrary, they have, demol- they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Is that somewhere in here? Um, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish those strongholds of the enemy. So I submit to you right now as Christ followers, some of you, have allowed or have certain strongholds in your life. And that's why you're struggling with life. And God's trying to help you identify, discern, and deploy weapons to get those out of your life. Demolish those things that are in your life. And we do that by the Spirit. Because here's what happens. Whenever you believe a lie, it brings life to that. Right? But whenever you expose that lie, that lie can die. That lie can die. You demolish it with the weapons, but you expose it with the light. See, I, I, I was in um, the Dominican with Pastor Mark recently. He was helping me with some stuff down there. We came back from a series of meetings. And it was like 2 in the morning, 1.32 in the morning. And, and um, he was closing the gate, locking it up. And I was going into, we had this little apartment that goes up into this, this villa that we own in the Dominican. It sounds elaborate. It's nice, but it's not like whatever. Anyway, just outside the door. <laughs> it's like, wow, it must be rough. It was. Okay, so just outside the doors, I'm getting ready to go in, is a massive tarantula. Some of you have seen this on my Facebook. It was bigger than my hand. It was hairy. <laughs> Nasty, okay? And I, and I, and I just, I'm getting ready to open the door, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that thing's going to get in the house. And I, I, I scream like a girl. No, I didn't. But I just like, <laughs> Pastor Mark, oh my gosh, come here, look at this. And he's like, oh. And he screamed like a girl. No, he didn't. And <laughs> just kidding. Somebody did, but I'm not going to say who. <laughs> He's not here to. Uh, so he goes and gets a hose, and we start spraying this thing, you know, out into the into the thing. And I'm like, and we start talking about, you know, should we kill it? Should we kill it? And 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 so, long story short, he was he was a little more humanitarian than I was, and I'm like, yeah, we got to kill it. And so, I'm sorry for offending of you, but I took this big rock and I just killed the spider. Okay, praise the Lord. I'm glad some of you guys are happy about that. And. Uh, <laughs> so this, this is cool. So then I get on a plane and I listen to this is just all the stuff that happened. And I actually felt like there was something spiritual about that spider being outside my door. And I was trying to figure out what it was. I get on the plane and I've never listened to this guy. I'm listening to this podcast and I'm listening to this guy and he's talking, he's sharing the story. His name's Carlos, Carlos Whitaker. He's a worship leader. And he shares the story where he was struggling with pornography and he lost everything because of it. He lost his wife, lost his family. He lost his ministry. He was, he was prominently within the nation in ministry, and he lost it all because of this, of this addiction. He got into an adulterous relationship, and one thing led to another. It's public. This whole thing's public. I'm not uh, covering anything up. And um, I'm listening to this, and he's, he was telling the story where he's going to get therapy. He's going to be away for a week, and he, he says, I'm going to call my dad, and, but his dad was a preacher, and he didn't really want to talk to his dad, but he needed to tell him he's going to be away. Gets on the phone with his dad. And he tells his dad, he goes, Dad, just trying to explain to you why I'm going away. And his dad cut him off. He said, I'll tell you why you're going away. He goes, because you're going to stop managing cobwebs, and you're going to learn how to kill the spider. And as soon as that thing, I was in that, I was in that seat, I was like, that's, that's what you're trying to show me. And that's what, I, that's what I wanted to tell to some, to some of you. The reason you need to learn how to do spiritual warfare is because you'll spend your entire Christian experience trying to manage cobwebs in your life. And when you learn the weapons that God has given you, you can not only discern where the spider is, you can back it into a corner and you can kill it so that you can be free and be an overcomer in Jesus' name. You need to understand that your enemy has got these spiders that he's trying to put in your life to destroy you. And God has equipped you to kill the spider. Can I have an amen? Some of your spiritual experience, you think it's just community with God. Kumbaya. Doritos, worship music from Hillsong, repeat. No, 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 no. It's confrontation with the devil sometimes. That's what it is. I'm way over time, but you cannot be passive about this. So how do we do it? Here's the three weapons. Everybody ready? 
The name of Jesus. Come on, everybody. The name of Jesus. We worship the name of Jesus. We say, what a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name he is. We say, what a powerful name it is. You don't understand. As soon as you say Jesus, everything starts to subordinate itself. If you understand what you're doing, you don't just have access to God because of Jesus' name. You have authority over this earth in Jesus' name, over whatever that you have to deal with. There's power in the name of Jesus. My kids, when they were young, they know this to be true. Uh, we used to, mom would say, hey, can you get the kids to come to dinner? And then I would delegate that to one of the kids. I'd say, Madison, go tell your brothers and sisters to get the kids to come to dinner. And she'd go down and say, come to dinner. Nothing. You know what I'm talking about, parents. So I'd say, Madison, where are they? She said, they're not coming. I said, go tell them, dad said. She'd go down and say, she'd go down and say, she'd go, hey, hey, everybody, come to dinner, dad said. How many know there's no other name in the Fry household above the name? <laughs> you got to use the name. There's authority in their name. There's power in names. Listen, listen. There's to you, 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 need, you need to make a decision in your mind. There's power in the name of cancer. Cancer is a powerful name. Depression is a powerful name. People battle depression. You know that's a powerful name. Addiction is a powerful name. but there's a name that's above every other name. The Bible says in Philippians, look at this, look at this. So when, you, when you're looking at those things, name those things and say, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Cancer, Jesus is above the name of cancer. Addiction, Jesus. Pornography, Jesus is above the name of pornography. Jesus is above the name of insecurity. Jesus is above everything that you would battle in your life that at that name every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is glory. And he's not only... Uh, above it in heaven he's above it here on earth even all the things under the earth that name is over it all God said I'm putting it above every single thing that's going in your life so sometimes I start naming my problems you know God this is a really tough thing I feel really insecure I'm getting ready to go. like sometimes I was getting ready to speak <laughs> they, they, they tell me you know how many people are there and how many people are going to be watching and I'm like oh you know what happened a name came over me insecurity insecurity who are you? What are you thinking about? Whatever. And I'm just, you know, the name of Jesus. I just come, I just, I just put that insecurity, that name of insecurity underneath that in the name of Jesus. Lord, you've called me for such a time as this. You've, you've, you raised me for moments like this. You've gifted me to do something like this. It's not about me. It's about you. I pray you receive all the glory in Jesus' name. Then I get up on that stage and I, they start clapping for me. And I said, no, 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 no. We give all honor and glory to Jesus right now. I lift up the name of Jesus. As soon as I lift up the name of Jesus, boom, I feel the anointing come on me. And I'm able to speak with total confidence because the name had been exalted. Does everybody get what I'm saying out there? Oh, man, I wish you could get all this. Okay, so here's the second thing. Um, and by the way, when you pray to the Father, you're praying in Jesus' name. People get confused. Who am I praying to? Jesus, Father, the Holy Spirit. You're praying to the Father in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit is the executor of the will of God, but Jesus is the access to God and the authority over everything that happens here in the process. Here's the second thing. Um, I'm going to skip the scripture, Romans 10, 13. You get it. Uh, the second thing is the word of God is another weapon. The word. The Bible says the word of God is living and active in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It's alive. It's active. And this is the description that the Bible uses. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So the only offensive weapon in the scriptures that you see in the, in the full armor of God, the only offensive weapon that's referenced there is a sword. Everything else is a different type of weapon. It's a sword. It's a sword. And every now and then, just like I said about the police officer, you're going to have to learn you just don't defend. You don't just, oh, I've got my belt of truth here, Satan, here. I've got my helmet on. No, I'm sorry. Once in a while, whew, I'm going to have to pull out this sword, this little lightsaber, as it were, and go, you want to mess with me, buddy? Because I'm about to tell you, the Bible says it is written. Man should not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Bible says this, and the Bible says that. You just begin to quote the word of God. So you don't just read it. So you have your little, like you said, you just your little, mm, my little mm moment. Mm, so comfy. Mm, so comfy. And those scriptures. Yeah, cuddling down by the fire. No, you're learning the word of God to be able to recite it and quote it back to the enemy. Jesus, when he was tempted by the enemy, Satan came to Jesus directly. Okay, by the way. None of you all have faced Satan directly. You might say, Satan's attacking. No, he's not. You don't, you're not even worthy of Satan's attention. I'm sorry to tell you that. You don't measure up. I don't either. 
okay? Because you're not as much of a threat. So he's not, he, he's not omnipresent like God is. He's only in one place at one time. And I can promise you he's going to leverage his time pretty wisely to do the most damage possible. But Jesus was one of those people that was worthy of Satan's attention. So Satan went and attacked him directly. And you need to know at the top of the food chain, the way that Jesus uh, overcame the enemy was by the word of God. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Can you say anything that is written in God's word as a weapon out of your mouth or as most of what proceeds out of your mouth uh, not edifying, not useful, not beneficial, and not powerful because it's not the word? You need to know the word of God. You need to be able to say it like a sword to, to the circumstances that are going on in your life. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 says, stand firm. Come on, church, stand firm with the belt of truth. That's good around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness, so you stay in right standing with God. Your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You need to be ready to go wherever he says you should go. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Come on, Wonder Woman, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. The enemy doesn't even face you up when you're a Christ follower. He's in the background like patoink patoink the hebrew word there for arrow is darts it's just little itty bitty darts show little fireballs on doing doing he's he, you don't understand your authority in christ jesus he can't even he can't even come right up to you you have authority in christ jesus so take the helmet of salvation and what the sword of the spirit everybody say it the sword of the spirit in case you don't know what that is it's the word of god okay and what i like to do is take the word of god and put it in the first person Put my name, insert my name into those situations. I, Derek Fry, have been given authority to trample on scorpions and snakes. That's not talking about bugs and reptiles. It's talking about demons, fallen angels that are trying to attack me in this world. And he has given it unto me, this power over the enemy, so that nothing by any means shall harm me. Luke 10, 19. Amen? You personalize it. You personalize it. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. You need to see that from God's word. Read it, learn it, memorize it, and then speak it back with authority to the enemy. Not like, um, he has given me, I think. Okay, here's the third thing. This is important that you realize you have this weapon, uh, the power of the cross. This was the ultimate defeat of the devil. A lot of Christians don't don't realize something. They think, what's the cross about? Well, it's about he paid for my sins. Yes, that is top dog. No doubt about it. But I, I just don't think sometimes we get it. See, when Jesus died on a Friday and then he rose again on the third day, a Sunday, that three days while he was gone, he was, he was in the bowels of hell getting to work. And you know what he did? He went down into, you know, he went down into hell and a whole bunch of stuff. He was preaching down there to the saints that had gone before us. And, and, he, and he, he even preached to some demonic spirits that were down there. There's a whole bunch of crazy stuff that happened when he was down there. But the next thing he did is he confronted, he confronted the devil. And he said, okay, Satan, I've paid for all y'all's, all their, all their debts, all their sins paid for. You lose. I paid for their past, their present, and their future sins. They're all, they're all bought with the price of my sinless life. I've paid for it. Now give me the keys. And the Bible says he snatched the keys of, of hell, death, and the grave. You know why that's so significant now? Is because you never lose now because the worst thing that can happen to you is you die and be eternally separated from God. And so the worst thing that can happen, it, it, used, to be, it used to be death because it was, it was eternal. It was free, forever and Satan held the keys. Now Jesus holds the keys. He holds your eternity, and eternity is held in his hands for you. So when you surrender to Christ, all it's, all it's all okay now in the end. You might not like getting dead, but you never have to fear being dead. And so the enemy can't threaten you with the worst of the worst because the worst of the worst was taken care of by Jesus. Amen. Once and for all in Jesus Christ. The cross overcame that for you and for me. That's why the apostle, yeah, 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 yeah. That's why the Apostle Paul said to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's why it says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, I am he, Jesus, who lives now. Imagine him saying this to, to, to Satan. And was dead. But behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. He amens himself. Jesus amens himself. That's why we can amen. I'm going to amen myself once in a while. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. And, and, they have, and so this is what we do now because of that. We overcome the enemy, the Bible says, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. 
Okay, so basically you recite what Jesus did for you on the cross. Listen, I am blood-bought, blood-washed. Jesus uh, overcame the grave. He overcame death. He overcame hell for me. And because of that, because I'm, because I'm saved. See, my testimony is connected to what he did for me, uh, the Lamb of God did for me. I want you to stand your feet. I want to pray for you. Did you guys get something out of this? I hope you did. Pretty fired up. I, I, I don't think you sometimes think about your testimony. I don't think you use your testimony as a weapon sometimes. Whatever, just come on, come on, stay with me, guys. Stay with me. We're going to be out here in a second. Uh, I, I think this is you, many of you, some of you, maybe it isn't. But I was going to hell. I was on a one-way ticket to hell. And I gave my life to Jesus. And I don't, and I don't, I don't have to do something to get out of hell. Jesus did that for me. Amen. Jesus bled on the cross for me, bled on the cross for you, and I'm saved. He healed me. He healed my, he healed my heart. He healed my, my mind. I used to be filled with anger and rage. It would have been generations of anger and rage passed down if, if, if Jesus didn't heal me. I was filled with insecurity, the fear of man. He healed my marriage. I had a bad, bad marriage, and then God made it a great marriage. Now we help people all over, all over the place, you know? Jesus did that for me. That's my testimony. You guys have testimony. How do you overcome the enemy? You just, you, you just say, Jesus, sir. I believe that he can do this now because of what he did already. I rehearse the victories. I recite the things that he's done in my life. And because of that, I can overcome. I overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony. I'm an overcomer. Romans 8, 37 says, and I want all these things. It doesn't matter what all these things are. I'm an overcomer. Amen? With every head bowed, every eye closed, let me pray for you. We are, we are all called to overcome. And we all, we all can overcome with these weapons. But in order for us to to be an overcomer, in order for us to to have that authority, some of us maybe haven't ever given God access into our life so that we can have access to him ourselves. So in other words, for you to have access to God, that's through Jesus. For you to have authority over this life, that's through Jesus. But you first start with giving Jesus access to you, authority and permission to, 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 to lead you and be Lord of your life. So if you've never given Jesus the opportunity to come into your life to be your Savior and to be your Lord, and you want to do that, that's why you're here, sir. That's why you're here, ma'am. That's why you're listening online right now, maybe all over the world, listening right now, so that you can give an opportunity for Jesus to come into your life. And when you make that decision, I promise your whole life will begin to change from the inside out. And he'll give you tools. He'll give you weapons to be able to fight. He'll open your eyes to be able to see things you couldn't see. Now you'll be able to see because you've surrendered your heart to Jesus. If that's you, as a sign of surrender, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't, good and high. I, I want that. I want that before I leave. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, over there. I see you. Good and high so I don't miss you. I want to, yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All the way in the back. Yes, thank you, sir. That's good. Thank you. All the way back. I see you on the left-hand side. Thank you so much. That's great. Thank you. You can put your hands down. And if you're listening online, you just pray this prayer with me. And those of you in this room, would you pray this prayer? Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. I give you full access to my life. I give you permission. I give you authority in my life. I believe you are the son of God, that you did what you said you were going to do, that you died, that you went into the grave, and that you rose on the third day. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in me. And I pray that you would quicken that in me. Father, I pray for every person that prayed that prayer, that something happened on the inside of them that is recognizable, that is demonstrative, that it be visible. And I pray that you witness to them what the Bible says happens, that angels rejoice because people made a decision to follow Christ. And Lord, for all the people that are in this room that wear that badge already, may they wear it, I mean this in the right way, God, they, they wear it with pride that I am a Christ follower. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. May they also realize that they have weapons and that they need to put on the full armor of God every single day of their life. And may they be especially aware of the fact that they've been given a sword, the sword of the Spirit, Lord God, an offensive weapon to come up against the enemy in their life and may they speak with authority against the things that the enemy tries to throw at them and thwart the plan of God in their life in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen let's give the Lord a big hand clap all over the room God bless you guys it's an honor